All right, here, wow, man, that sounds good, doesn't it? Seriously. We're here again, and I'm glad that you are here. Unsettling, unsettling times. Social distancing, man, I tell you what. I don't know whether you measured that or not, but it's good. All right, very good. I want you to tell, I want to tell you who are here today, and I, and I expected we might have a a number less today than we've had for a couple of reasons, but we're, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that we can be here, and we want to. Of course, as we were encouraged, Keith encouraged us, keep our social distancing, be very careful. Even as you leave the building, let's not congregate at the doors and breathe on each other and so forth. Let's be careful about what we do, and I think the time will come when we can be much closer and and more open and we'll fill the auditorium again very soon. But I want to tell you how fortunate you are this morning. I got a call from Josh. He'd gotten to the building before we left the house this morning and got a call from Josh. says, our, our camera here is not working. Well, this is nothing new. We've been having problems off and on. And I will tell you, we're in process and there's supposed to be a new camera coming in very soon, but things are very slow. We're also looking at new things that may help us to be able to see better in here in terms of projection and, and so forth and what's put in front of us to make that a little bit easier. And I think that will be appreciated when it's all in place in the coming coming weeks, some weeks from now, we'll see all of those things, I think, and it'll be very positive, and hopefully we'll be able to renew our uh, attendance and assemblies uh, in accord with that before very long. So uh, very quickly, I'm glad that you're here, but the camera's not working. You put the other camera that we use for the devotionals and so forth that we do on, a, on uh, those daytime basis and so forth and use on our Wednesday evening. But from the distance, it doesn't show very well. I said, well, people won't mind seeing me, Blair. He said, you can't even tell a person's up there. So what I'm telling you is, you that are here get to see me. <laughs> those at home, all they're seeing is the PowerPoint. Now, don't get up and leave and go home, okay, please. <laughs> I picked a couple of the songs this morning in particular. Where could I go but to the Lord? I want to talk about our approach to God. And there's some reasoning why I, I wanted to center on that today. I better put these on or I can't read what I've got in front of me. I can see you, but I can't read what's in front of me. But I call the lesson, Who Answered? Who answered? It's taken from 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, we find Elijah on Mount Carmel with the 450, there might have been as many as 850 prophets there with Baal and Asherah and all of that. Uh, the king and uh, his cohorts and a lot of other people. And Elijah on Mount Carmel for that contest, if you want to call it that, that contest on Mount Carmel. And you may know that story. If you don't know it, go back and read the entire story again. It's one of those great, exciting stories in the Old Testament that really tells us something about God and his will and getting it done. But as Elijah is there and he has the separation and they're setting up with their altars and so forth and the sacrifices to be made, picking up in verse 24, it says, Then you, speaking of those prophets of Baal, then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. 
So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from the morning even till noon, saying, oh Baal, hear us. Here's the great line. But there was no voice, no one answered. That's just a synopsis, just a portion of the story that's taking place there. And you may know the story that went on and they, they did everything they could but got no answer from their idol. And then Elijah took care of business with the altar, the water, the trough and all of that and God brought down fire in that and it was a great event he had just said to the people how long will you falter between two opinions how long will you be wishy-washy about who's going to you're going to worship as God and then it comes down to this point right here who answers the line says no one answered them some of you that are of my generation and older some of you will remember the days of the simple telephones not the Andy Griffith model where you pick it up and you ask the operator to uh, find somebody for you in town. Now, some of you can remember that. Some of you had to crank the one on the wall, didn't you? Okay. But uh, I, I can't go back to the crank phones attached to the wall, but I do remember when there was just one phone in the house and it was attached to the wall just beyond the dining room in what was a small additional den on the house. And there was the phone. The only phone in the house was hanging on that wall and so any calls had to be answered right there at that place. And as children, we thought it was exciting when the phone rang to get up and run if we were tall enough and answer the phone. And answer the phone. And it was always exciting to answer the phone, except when I was five years old and in kindergarten, and there was a little girl in the class who decided she was going to call me every day. Of course, I was cutest guy in the class, that's obvious. But she decided she'd call, and I would call and say, why are you calling me? But that was the only phone calls I ever got. I never got any other phone calls, but we still wanted to answer the phone. My older sister especially, she was seven and I was five. We wanted to answer those, the phone calls, but you know what? The calls weren't for us. They didn't want to talk to us. 90% or more of the phone calls were for my father. It was somebody from church, one of the elders, you know, always complaining about something. I mean, one of, no, that couldn't be true. But it was, it was, seriously, it was always calls for them and all, but we always wanted to answer the phone. They didn't want to talk to us. They wanted to talk to my father. And if he wasn't available, they really, if he wasn't available at this point, he, they didn't get what they wanted. They didn't get the answer that they were seeking. But you know what? You jump forward 60 years. Jump forward 60 years. And some things have changed, but some things are, are the same. Phones are no longer something that's attached to the wall or on a bedside table in the house. In places like that, it's no longer leashed to the wall by a cord unless the battery runs down and then you've got to plug it in or lay it on top of something to get it charged. Most of the phones today are pocket-sized objects that are only attached by a cord when their batteries are drained, as I said. Uh, because somebody's been busy posting on Facebook or, or, or texting their BFFs or, or something like that, uh, searching the internet. I don't think you could do that on a rotary phone. I'm just not real certain, but I'm not sure. You could call time and temperature, but that's about as far 
as you go and maybe talk to an operator. But you think about it, phones now are so personalized and they're prolific. Everybody's got a phone. If you're five years old, you got a phone. Not really quite that young generally, but people have got phones everywhere. Most of you sitting out here, you've got a phone in your purse or pocket or laid it in your car and hopefully you turned off the ringer on it. They are with you everywhere. You don't leave home without your phone. I've been known to drive nearly down here and it's about 18 miles I think here from our house, nearly down here and think, oh, I left my phone at home. Turn around, drive back home, get that phone and drive back down here and of course then nobody calls me on the phone. But uh, they become so important and such a part of our lives. They're in our pockets. We carry them around. They're small. They got really tiny, and then we decided we want them to do a little bit more. They got a little bit bigger. Some people carry those ones that look like the size of one of my hands, but there's still something the same about it. Think about how many calls you make, how many messages you send that you don't get an immediate response. And when you call, instead of getting the person you want to talk to, you get that automated, recorded voice. This is, leave your message after the beep. And then you leave a message and you wonder, will it ever be heard? Oh, probably so. But I may be a bit pessimistic. But the point is this. Just all of that to illustrate this. When there is a call... Who answers? I'm talking about spiritual calls, especially this morning. When people are calling to their God, who answers? Because they've all got a God, even if it's just themselves. Who answers when they call? Because we're really we're talking about our faith and where our faith lies. And what Elijah wanted to get across to the people and what Elijah was telling the people is that when you call on God, God answers. Baal or Baal, he didn't necessarily answer. In fact, he couldn't answer. But God answers. So let me give you three little thoughts in this. I won't do it as fast as Max did, but I'll give you three little thoughts this morning. There is a need Elijah sees it in the people. The people know it. There was a need. They wanted something. They needed something. The king knew it. It was out there. They needed something. And as Carol King said, when you're down and troubled and you need a helping hand, what do you do? You call. These people needed an answer to their troubles. Elijah had let them know three and a half years earlier. Elijah had let them know there would not be any rain until he said there would be rain again. And for that three and a half years, as James tells us in James 5, it didn't rain. There was no rain. Can you imagine what it would be like if we did not have rain for three and a half years? We have droughts, but usually we have rain during those droughts, at least to some degree. No rain. How hard it was on the people. And here's what I want you to think about in the midst of that time. In the midst of that time, did you ever think about how many, how many prayers, how many prayers have been offered to their idols and even to the Lord God during that time? Maybe we can relate a little bit to it because how many prayers have been made in the last few months? I bet prayer lives have increased a great deal, haven't they? How many people have prayed 
How many people have prayed, like some of my grandchildren, kill the virus? We've prayed, haven't we? We prayed for our safety. We prayed for health. We prayed for better times. We prayed that we might have an understanding. We prayed a lot of prayers, and that a lot of prayers have been made. People do that in tough times. When it's tough times, we pray. And sometimes such prayers are pointed in the wrong places with the wrong attitude. James says, why, why don't you have? So because you ask with the wrong attitude. You ask it to waste on your own things. James 4, verse 3. And sometimes we're asking in the wrong places. We're looking for answers, like looking for love, in all the wrong places. I love the thought, if you go back to Judges 6, I love the thought of Gideon's father. You remember after Gideon had pulled down the idol and everything, and there were a lot of accusations being made, and Gideon's father is called in and put to point for somebody to answer for what had happened to Baal. And I love, I love Gideon's father's response. And let me paraphrase it for you. When he responds to the people who are wanting Gideon to come and answer for all this, or for an answer for all this, he says, hey, can't Baal plead his own case? In other words, isn't he a God? Can't he plead? Can't he do for himself? You've got to do it for him. Pretty good point. What Elijah did was, was to point the people to God. He couldn't make them love God. He couldn't make them obey God. But he could point them to God. He simply pointed them to where the answer could be found. And we need to know that someone will answer. We need to know. And it needs to be the right one who answers. Sometimes we seek answers in the wrong place and we get the wrong answers. It needs to be the right one who answers. We're so, we may be related to little children who are dealing with a struggle or a challenge in their lives. They want their mother. Somebody else is not going to do. Sometimes even dad won't do. It's got to be the right person. And when it's the right person, we have confidence and we hold on to that. I read a story some time ago about a father and a daughter out in the boat and the engine died and she was, father was, at the boat, try, at the front of the boat, trying to get it started, pressing the buttons and everything. And she thought, hmm. And she was at the back of the boat, and she leaned out to just see if they were hung up on something. And she leaned over, and about the, that time, the engine kicked in. The boat lurched forward. She fell out of the boat. It hooked her in the arm and her clothing and cut into her arm as the propeller sank in. And there she was held under the water, under the boat, by the propeller before her father could really realize what had happened when he turned around and he, he saw what had happened and realized the boat was stuck and he saw her gone. He immediately jumped to the back of the boat and into the water and was able to get her unhooked from the propeller, get her into the boat, get the boat to shore and get her to care. And they were asking her later. They were asking her a little later. When you were there and under the water, couldn't breathe. Did you think you were going to die? She said, no, I didn't really consider it. She said, I always figured my father would save me. Don't you love that kind of confidence? Don't you love that? I always figured my father would save me. The Israelites calling upon Baal didn't get the answer they wanted. No matter what they did, the prophets were out there shouting, jumping up and down, cutting themselves, sacrificing. They were doing everything they could that they knew about, but they couldn't get it. 
And I know sometimes we don't get the answers that we want from God. We go to God sometimes with an anticipated answer. Say, God, here's what we want. Now do what we want you to do as if he was a genie in a bottle. But God doesn't always answer in that way because he sees things that are bigger than us. He sees things that are broader than us. He sees things from the beginning to the end. We only see in the moment and what we want at any given moment. But even if we don't get the answer we want, to whom shall we go then? Wasn't that Peter's words to Jesus? Lord, to whom shall we go? John chapter 6. Because what did Peter say? You have the words of life. When you want the words of life, where do you go? You go to where that answer is. You go to the one who has those words of life. So there is a need, and the people knew the need, but they were going to the wrong place. And Elijah would say, here's the place you go to. So let me give you two more quick thoughts in that. Not only is there a need, there is a power, and it is a power to be used. To use the power, there must be a power that's there to use. You can, you can sit there and you can crank an engine and crank an engine, but if there's no power in it, it's not going to go anywhere. If the battery's dead or no gas in it, it's not going anywhere. And what happened on Mount Carmel with Elijah and all those prophets was not really a contest of power because Elijah knew that Baal had no power more than the minds and the mindset of the people. Yeah, they thought he did, but he didn't have any real power, just an image. You got to go where the power is. If you know the Old Testament story of Naaman, you know a similar situation. Naaman had leprosy, he was a Syrian leader of the army. He ended up being sent to Israel to, as, through a servant girl and so forth. You can read that's a great story in 2 Kings 5. To go and find, actually to find Elisha. But he is sent by his king to go to the king of Israel. He goes to the king of Israel with a letter in his hand saying, I want, I want healing of my servant. The king of Israel, king of Israel gets a letter that says, I want you to heal my servant. And he's looking at this letter and he's thinking, Syria is wanting to destroy me. Notice the words that the king says. 2 Kings 5 and verse 7. As he looks at this, and Naaman's there with his leprosy, and he's being called on by the king of Syria to do this, he can't do this. And he says, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? In other words, he's saying, I can't do this. Yeah, there's more to that story, but that's what the king's realizing. This request is going to the wrong place. There's no power here to take care of that. But in Elijah's case, as we get back to Mount Carmel, Elijah was convinced that God would display his miraculous power and that it was to have power over those people. And we might look at it and we say, well, why did God do it this way? Did he have to do it in this manner with the fire from heaven? Why, you know, that was all that needed. I would say yes, because we tend to draw upon the marvelous. We tr draw upon the unusual. We're picked up by that. A good example took place in 1927. 1927. I look around, I'm not sure any of you were quite here in 1927. Larry, I, I mean, even you weren't here in 1927. In 1927, the world was inspired to greater heights when Charles Lindbergh took that solo flight, a solo flight, nonstop transatlantic flight. 
and landed in Paris. Frontiers were expanded. People's ideals were raised. Beliefs were broadened. Ambitions were escalated. People like to see something great happen. It gets our attention and it makes us believe in something bigger than ourselves. And when they saw this, what they are told is God has a power that is for us but not drawn from us. There is a power we look to and we need that. And we as, we as people who are believers in God and in his son Jesus, there is a power that is ours unto salvation. Romans 1, 16, the gospel is God's power to, to save. There is a power of an in-depth life inside and out. It's not just some observances out here that you do. It is a real power of a life of faith. Hebrews 4, 12, the, the, that it is, the word is powerful, it says. Dynamic in living. Dividing soul and spirit, body, joint, marrow. It gets to the very depth of who we are, the writer of Hebrews tells us. Living and active and sharp, it says. And then there is the power, the encompassing protection and enduring love. There perhaps is no more beautiful passage in all of Scripture than the latter end of Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 31 reminds us. He goes on to say that nothing can separate us from the, the love that is given to us by God in Christ Jesus. He has displayed it and shown it to us. What, friends, what I'm telling you is there is a power in God to be used. It may not always come about in the way we think it will. It may not always present itself in the way we wish it would and in the time that we think it, it should, but there is a power in God that is from him and is not drawn from us. But let me give you one more quick thought. Not only is there a need, not only is there a power, and we think about Elijah and the Israelites there on Mount Carmel, but there is a character to be applied. To call on God means there is a willingness to apply change as needed. Elijah said, if he does this, that will be your God, and you will serve that God. And they said, okay. I don't know that they understood. He's saying, you're going to make a change. You call upon God, you've got to make a change in your life. Before Elijah would call on God, he made sure the people were willing to make that commitment. And let me, let me say, and I guess it's probably already, already on the screen, but when we don't think we have a response from God, could it be that we, we have been unwilling or, or not been willing to make changes or change in our lives and our character? You know, the common attitude is we want things to change around us. Don't we? We're humans. We don't want to change ourselves. We want things to change around us. In marriage, we want our mates to change. As parents, we want our children to change. At work, we want our bosses and our employment to change. We don't want to have to change. And before God, we don't really want to have to change. We want God to change the situations. We don't want to have to change. And Elijah said, you want to call on God, he's got to be God. That's the way in our lives. And if we really think about it, we have to agree that we call toward what we long to be or at least be like. We call on what we 
desire to be. I was trying to think of how I could kind of make that, get that across, and I was thinking about some, some things that happened, oh man, 43 years ago. You know, radio, when I used to listen to radio all the time, radio shows quite often would have you call in. You've probably, you probably done that somewhere along the way. The ninth caller will receive. The seventh caller will receive. I won tickets to the first Star Wars movie that way. Tried to figure it out in my mind. Count to a certain number, give it a certain time, and then you go to the phone, you dial it in. Or you stand there at the phone, you dial in most of the numbers except the last number, and you turn the dial around to a point and you hold it. And you count. Okay, we're down, probably down to the ninth. Call and you let it go. And maybe one, maybe you didn't. But you wanted something. You wanted to get something. You were reaching out because you wanted something. You, whether it was tickets to a movie or a, a concert or, or just to receive a prize, whatever that prize might have been, something that you thought would be good and beneficial in your life. We call to what we long for and long to be or long to be like, I believe. And if you think about it, that's why we call on God, or should be, because it is a change. It is a change. Paul wrote to Timothy, say, flee, get away from the youthful lusts, the things of the past. Go towards things of the future and righteousness and righteous behavior and so forth. Second Timothy 2, 22. It is a change of life. It is a change of your commitment to whom you belong. It is a change of who you are loyal to and your loyalty in life. It is a change of direction, setting you on a new course in your life of things that you will be and things that you will do. It is a change of heart and devotion in your life, who your commitment is from the very depth of who you are. It is a change. There is a character to be applied when we call to God, there is a power. When we call to God, we believe it's because there is a need. When we call to God, it is because we need to change in our lives. That's when it re God responds. That's when we see the best things. When we see the response of God. Is the best things. I didn't say that exactly right, so hope you got the point of that. It is a change in us. So when Elijah called, when Elijah called, he didn't get the wrong number or some other voice. There was no recording there that says, I'm sorry, he's out for a little while. Leave a message. Can't answer the phone right now. It was God who answered. We need to know who we are calling. We need to know why we are calling, and we need to know for sure that God answers. I'm glad we could be here today. Sometimes we wonder and we worry about whether God really hears us, I guess. That's a human weakness. That's just common for us. Lord, why? David did that. Lord, why? How long, Lord? How long? I believe the Lord hears. I believe the Lord answers. And I believe the very best is yet to be. Don't get lost. But believe that the Lord hears and the Lord answers.
We're going to sing a song of encouragement this morning. Perhaps there is someone even here this morning who needs to respond. If you do, we, we always have things in readiness. If someone needed to be baptized today, we'd gladly share that moment with you. Nothing would hinder us from doing that. Nothing would bring us greater joy. If you have another need to make known, let us share it with you. Let us help you carry that load. Let us turn it over to God. We'll pray with you, assist you, and help you point in the right direction. If there is some need that you have this morning, let this opportunity be yours to come while we stand, while we sing a song together. 